You're about to meet a monster with no fangs and no claws. In fact, it can't even chase you. It has to wait for you to walk into its jaws. Presenting the international terror hit, The Lift. The chilling story of an elevator with a mind of its own and a very bad attitude. You lose your breath, your footing, and even your head. But you'll never lose interest. The Lift. Whatever you do, take the stairs. That recliner almost chopped my mate's finger off. This is what our killer looks like. Tired. Everyone has been affected in one way or another by this terrible tomato onslaught. There was a, a standing lamp in this room. What happened to it? Attack of the Killer Objects! Hi, welcome back to Attack of the Killer Objects. I'm your host, Anastasia, and my guest today is Keith from the EXO and the How to Write a Novel podcast. Hi, Keith. Howdy. Man, it just uh, it popped up a little notification to say you were recording. <laughs> it's like, so you can't secretly record a podcast with me without me knowing? No, no, I can't. Not here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so, yeah, this good. Is exciting. Uh, I haven't been on this new, this new podcast yet. This is my first appearance. That's true. And we haven't had you on my other podcast in a while, so we're probably looking to get you back on there soon, too. Nice. Yeah, because, um, you know, you're a, you're a fan fave. We enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we are doing the 1983 film The Lift today, guys. That is a movie about a killer elevator. And uh, yeah. uh, as the tagline says, take the stairs, take the stairs. For God's sake, take the stairs. <laughs> yeah, this kind of blew my mind when I saw this because back in the day, I used to work at a comic shop and we would just play B-movies all the time. And one of my friends was like, oh man, if you like movies like this, you should see The Lift. And he told me that tagline and we all like, ha ha ha. And then I forgot that it was the thing for literally <laughs> 20 years. I didn't even think about it. And then when you were like, hey, want to do a podcast about The Lift? I was like, oh my God, that joke that my friend made 20 freaking years ago <laughs> that's a real thing i forgot about that so yeah. i was very excited to finally watch the lift yeah all right so what are your thoughts on it well i mean it's uh it's uh, of the era i guess you could say it, there's a lot i like <laughs> about it like the style is awesome i didn't realize that it was not american you know i think that helps that it's like dutch yeah it makes it it's dutch cool looking. but then it also has that uh the pacing of old horror movies where i feel like if they did this now you know uh we're like overachievers now when you make a weird B movie, it's like crazier and crazier and crazier. Where in 1983, you know, there's some lulls. They <laughs> they take things a little slower back then. There's some serious lulls and just some plot that isn't important at all. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't get a chance to watch the remake that stars Naomi Watts from 2001. That's called Down, but it's directed by the exact same director, uh, Dick Moss. So it's kind of funny. I wonder if, you know, he he modernized it to that degree or if it has some of the same lulls. Yeah, because I also I had no idea there was a remake. I uh, I just 
stumbled upon that like after i watched the movie then i went and you know looked up some stuff about it i didn't want to have my uh my first viewing tainted by other people's uh thoughts but then afterward yeah. when i looked stuff up i was like wow a remake that's so weird but i did a little searching around and i couldn't find it for the life of me but i was like yeah it's probably fine <laughs> you know? yeah it's probably not that special and, uh, and i also saw like it's one of these cases where they changed the name when it came out on dvd i can't remember what they changed it to but anyway it, it it really felt like, do you remember around 2008 or nine or so, they would always have like DMX movies at the gas station, you know, yeah, yeah. just these weird movies that you've never heard of. And I guess nowadays that stuff's all on, you know, Netflix and Shutter and stuff. But that's what it felt like, the remake. I had a feeling it was one of these, like just a DVD that you buy while you're buying beef jerky. <laughs> it's like, that's as far as it got. Cause like, it's nowhere. Like no one has this thing online. No one is, there's no one that cares, you know, to uh, you know what? You're probably right. It's sitting in some dusty gas station in the middle of Nebraska with a $5 orange sticker on it, just waiting to be seen. <laughs> that's so, I guess that's what's neat, though, about stuff like this is now it'll probably be another freaking 20 years from now, but I'll like find the DVD at the <laughs> store and then I'll drop you a line and we can do, <laughs> we can do the remake. <laughs> I like it. Um, I actually might have to hunt it down now that you, you've you given me a challenge because it's hard to find, apparently. Yeah, and uh, was it also Naomi Watts, was she in the remake of The Ring as well? Was that her? She was, and it's like the same year, too. Yeah, she was just doing all, and I assume The Ring remake is probably a little better, but who knows? I mean, hey, maybe I'm being too hard on it. Maybe it's amazing. <laughs> it's got uh, Hellboy is in it, Ron Perlman. I mean, it might not be terrible. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how the down remake is, but the ring, um, in my opinion, is one of those rare instances where the American remake is actually better than the original film. Because I, I think Ringu's not that great. It's kind yeah, of boring. It's like, yeah, I, I agree, because that's like most people go with the Japanese version, but it is like way more of a slow burn, where so with the American slow. one, the American one did add a lot of weird stuff, like the horses going crazy on the ferry and stuff that maybe doesn't matter, but at least it kept things moving. And the actual video in the American one is so cool. Like they extended it. Yeah, so yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it might be a hot take to some, but I, I will go down saying that it's a better movie than Ringu all day. <laughs> yeah, hey, every once in a while, you never know. Sometimes the remakes are better. I was just talking to someone the other day about um, Fright Night. And I mean, Fright Night is amazing. It's a classic movie. But the remake with uh, Anton Yelchin is like not bad. It's kind of It's good. not. And it's got David Tennant, uh, you know, the 10th yeah. Doctor as the, uh, the hokey horror movie host. And that's great. Colin Farrell makes a good creepy where I'm not a vampire dude werewolf yeah I think uh, it's just that there's just so many remakes now I mean this is a great yeah. example the fact that there's a remake of the lift there's a remake of everything so I think it, it burns people is. out but but they're not necessarily always bad sometimes they're kind of good yeah what's really interesting to me is when somebody like goes and remakes their own film yeah which is what Dick Moss did for The Lift. He remade his own movie, but that's also what um, the guy who made the one where they break in, well, they like break into someone's house and they're like really polite and they play these like. Oh yeah, the the strangers or something. It's not. It's not the strangers. It's got like the remake has Michael Pitt in it. Or Funny Games, maybe. Funny it's Games. It's okay. funny games. For the life of me, I couldn't think of funny games, but it's funny games. And what's really weird about that is it's a shot for shot remake oh, wow. of the guy's Those... movie that he already yeah. did. 
Those really are. I mean, that's that's double strange because yeah, shot for shot's already weird, and to remake your own movie. But yeah, now that we're talking about this, I'm like, damn! I now I'm I'm talking myself into it. I'm gonna have to also double down and try to find this freaking remake because <laughs> I gotta know first now. I was, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's probably sucky. But now that we're talking about it, it's like, who knows, man? Maybe. But even I'm just just real quick. I'm going through my. You know what? This is like my secret. Uh, for anyone out there who uh, needs secret piracy, uh, you know, advice. Do you remember there was back in like the days of Napster and all that stuff, there was a program called Soulseek that was just to, it was just a pirate MP3s or whatever. But I realized recently it's still around. It's still there. And uh, yeah, and you, it's not necessarily just music. It's just whatever people are, you know, have or whatever. And you can find the weirdest shit on there. But here, yeah, it's just... I don't know, like the the standard Naomi Watts films. <laughs> That's always my like last my last hope. If I can't find it anywhere else, some guy on Soulseek probably has it, but not this one. This one is extremely obscure. Damn. Well, now we're on the mad hunt to find a copy of Down. <laughs> But all right, um, we're going to transition into a little summary of kind of what happens in this movie. Then, as always, I'm going to throw some facts at you from behind-the-scenes stuff, just kind of interesting production notes. And uh, then we're going to pick our best kills, worst kills. Best character, cool. worst character. Yeah. So we kind of start off the film at a restaurant. And they keep referring to the people that are eating there. And it's just this one table of these, like, loud, boisterous people. And they refer to them as chicken farmers. <laughs> So they're like ch- Dutch chicken farmers, I guess, who were like dressed up and came to the city, I guess. Because they, they oh, so even. One, thing. one thing I wanted to ask you too, when I realized it was uh, a Dutch film, and then I was trying to find subtitles and stuff, and I couldn't. And then mm-hmm. I realized it was overdubbed. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess I don't need yeah. subtitles. Yeah. So you also had the overdubbed version. Is that the only version? That's the only version I've been able to find is the bad, <laughs> the bad uh, English dubbing. Yep. Yeah, which uh, again, I don't know. It, it kind of gives it some flair, I guess. But, uh, but if I could have. Charm. Subtitled one, it probably probably would have helped because it has that weird, uh, just that weird. Like nowadays, the tech for overdubbing is so much better, where yeah. things don't quite line up, or like you can tell they, because uh, I guess they had to overdub all the sound effects and everything too. So they really go out of their way. Like if you can see someone taking steps, they they make the step sound, but as soon as they're off screen, they are like, okay, no need for that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> sounds just go away. Yeah, it's a little, uh, it's a little bizarre, but. It- it is what it is, and we're just gonna roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So they go back. They're you know the <laughs> the restaurant staff is has had it up to here with these people because they've clearly been keeping the restaurant opened longer than it needs to be because they're still eating and drinking and being boisterous. So they eventually leave the restaurant and they go back to this building that has the titular lift in it. Um, and this is in Amsterdam, and this elevator inexplicably begins to malfunction to some pretty terrible degrees. <laughs> uh, the power goes out while they're in this elevator and they start getting like really hot and almost like start to suffocate. And one couple just starts cause they're, cause they're all really drunk and we're having a good time prior to being stuck in the elevator. One couple just starts going at it. She rips her blouse down. Her boobs are shining with sweat cause they're in this little hot box of an elevator. And then they're doing this all the while everyone else in the elevator, which is just two other people, but they are freaking out. They're like, we're going to die in here. (laughs) 
And I guess it's one of these things like it's better maybe not to overthink the logistics of, of how this elevator works. But at first I assumed the elevator was like gassing them, like it had that power. But then right. I guess it's like, no, that's too magical. It can't just gas people. But then what is it doing? Like how it, how does it block off all oxygen? Well, here's what I got. From what they were saying, it seems like they had just cut the AC off. So they might have, It's I think it's more accurate to say they might have like overheated. Extremely stuffy this horrible yeah. elevator <laughs> yeah i think it's just extremely stuffy like and that's why they did none of them died they survived that incident you know it was a trial run kind of like when uh a serial killer just kidnaps someone but then lets them go right doesn't, doesn't go all the way you know that's kind of what's happening here does that happen <laughs> is that a common thing uh it's not a super common thing but it does happen like sometimes they might just say you know sexually assault someone but then let them go or you know they had intended to kidnap them but instead just have you know a, a weird chat in the car with the sex worker and then they just pay her and let her leave oh, that's i mean i feel like I, i'm just the king of stupid digressions but that uh it makes me think of i was watching to catch a predator the other day yeah and this dude had because usually it's like it's almost funny it's like sad these schlubby guys show up with you know i've got some smirnoff ice and a pizza oh and i'm arrested but this one guy <laughs> This one guy had like, he had duct tape and all this stuff in his trunk that he, it, there's no way this guy was not planning to, to uh, tape somebody up and kill them. <laughs> like it was a total kill kit, but they oh couldn't prove it. Maybe he just happened to have the exact stuff. So he still went to jail for three or four years, but he should have gone to jail for fucking ever. It was so creepy. Oh my God. That's but terrifying. It, but it, who knows? Maybe he would let her go, but I don't know. <laughs> it's fucking, it was very scary. That is very scary. There could be body somewhere keith and we just don't even know yeah <laughs> yikes all right so regardless now they've called and the uh building manager i guess has called an elevator uh technician if you will from the elevator company to come you know fix this and his name is feed it uh, felix Adelar, and he's played by Hupe Staple. I had to look up how to spell Hupe, um, or how to pronounce Hupe. <laughs> it's H-U-U-B, but apparently that's pronounced like H-U-Y-P. Yeah, I uh, visited Amsterdam a couple of times, and yeah, I couldn't say any of the words right. It's, it's never the logical way you would think <laughs> that it is. It is not. Um, so I'm going to do my best. I did look up some of these names to know how to pronounce them right, but, you know, bear with us, Dutch friends <laughs> but yeah so <clears throat> the technicians from the company uh data lifting which uh he begins to kind of examine the electrical system to kind of see you know what's wrong is there a short what's happening uh and during this he ends up running into this journalist who is looking for corruption within this company basically and they kind of buddy team up to investigate what's happening with this elevator for the rest of the film. Do you think uh, this movie is is like supposed to be 1983 or is it because it seems like I don't know the rest of the world seems normal but elevator technology seems mysteriously futuristic <laughs> in this film. I, it is but I think that's really just to the point of this one evil company that's supposedly the sci-fi thing in this whole universe 
Because everything, like you said, everything else is normal and very 1983. Yeah, maybe I'm just getting like that sci-fi vibe because of how this movie looks. Like even if someone listening to this doesn't watch the whole movie, it's worth watching the trailer just to see. It's like uh, it's like that club noir in the first Terminator, like just cool yeah. neon colors. Like it just the the style of this movie is really cool. Then yeah. maybe that's also what makes me think it's the future or something. Yeah, well, maybe. And what I also thought about is I thought about maybe like Dutch style in the 80s was just a little bit different than say how it was in Canada and America right. like a little like a little more futuristic looking over there at least like 80s futuristic if that makes sense yeah it really kind of made me think uh, I should watch more more foreign horror movies from back in the day like I feel like there's more to learn because you do get that weird different cultural slant on stuff like it just feels different true and I'll actually talk about it a little later but there's another movie that this actor's in that he did with the same director that's cheesy but pretty good but I'll talk about that in a second cool but yeah yeah okay so uh the woman's name by the way is Mika but it's M-I-E-K-E but I, I, na- I nailed how to pronounce it Mika all right. But Mika DeBeer and Tim, that's the journalist. So they're looking around, digging into things. And he's, you know, because he's become obsessed with this elevator and its malfunctions, he's been out later and, like, gone all out. Then he, at one point, literally just, like, kind of leaves what he's supposed to be doing at work to investigate with her. And he's gone all afternoon. And basically his wife starts getting suspicious. And this is the storyline that doesn't matter at all to, to the rest of the movie. But there's this super uncomfortable scene where he comes home from, you know, digging into this elevator all day. And his wife immediately, well, actually his kid starts it. His little daughter, who's like maybe eight, is like, Daddy, what's adultery? <laughs> And he's like, oh, I'll tell you when you're older. And she's like, no, she should know. (laughs) The mom. And then, you know, she's like, I know about the woman that you've been running around with. And he's like, no, it's a misunderstanding. It's just a journalist. But he doesn't go any further than that. He just kind of starts eating at his food. And then she calls to be like, oh, we got to meet here to go talk to this person at the elevator place later so then the wife also just like kind of lets him she's resigned that she's made up in her mind that he is cheating on her he is not but (laughs) yeah it totally feels like one of those things especially back in the 80s i guess this is the same amongst cultures where it's such a an accepted archetype that it's just like oh just women am i right oh geez always always on a man's back about what he gets up to outside the house and it's like such a lazy character absolutely they make her they make her into this like harpy and it's just unnecessary it's really unnecessary so then, you know, too. I was going to say, too, just because because uh, there is some stuff about his home life that I actually I even made a note about it because I was like, oh, I'm kind of impressed by this. So obviously the stuff with the wife is really, really lame and not good. But when they introduce his little, uh, you know, his family, they have this nice scene where they're having breakfast and his son has this little game where the, the son puts salt, like tons of salt in the dad's drink and swaps like here's the drink. But the dad knows what he's up to. So the dad swaps the drink back and the kid has to drink the salt. And it was just this nice little you know it kind of felt like oh yeah this is like a nice little maybe this guy's good at writing little domestic scenes that feel kind of real but then <laughs> then that all goes straight out the window it does it's funny that you mentioned that um have you ever watched the, sh- the british tv show friday night dinner no okay so have you ever watched the in-betweeners 
Yes, I've seen it, yeah. Okay, so the guy who plays, I want to say Simon? Is, no, it's maybe not Simon, but I guess he's played by Simon Berg? The, the little nerdy guy, the main character on The Inbetweeners with the glasses and the briefcase. Right. Okay, well, he's on this show, uh, Friday Night Dinner, and him and his brother do exactly what you just described to each other throughout the series. Because every episode revolves around them going to have the Sabbath dinner with their parents. Because they're Jewish. And that's something that they're frequently doing is swapping each other's waters and pouring water and uh, salt in their water and stuff. So I know exactly what you're describing very well. <laughs> the thing that it made me think of is because uh, it's so nice to see a little scene of a family that feels natural. I, I don't know why I haven't thought about this since I saw it. But the uh, the oh, what's that Brad Pitt zombie movie? The, uh, the World War Z yeah. is the opposite. It is the most like stilted fake scene of Brad Pitt and his loving family family before the apocalypse hits that if you ever if you're a writer or something and you just want to see how not to do it go watch world war z it is so awful that's a great point they do not feel like they're related or love each other at all <laughs> yeah yeah it's brutal but then it's weird because i hadn't thought about that since then but for whatever reason the lift i was like now nah, there you go world war z <laughs> that's how you do it <laughs> but then of course but then of course with the wife it's like oh, well maybe not you know whatever yeah Ups it, and it, down. yeah you know it goes off the rails by that point but yeah so he goes to investigate this company uh, Rising Sun with uh, Mika and they don't play it off very well <laughs> they're like yeah she's my associate and she's in the jumpsuit and he's like yeah she really looks like she's an elevator technician <laughs> and, but they're also really dodgy the execs are like super nervous about the questions that they're asking about the elevator and you know like something's up yeah well I guess that's also where I get this sort of uh, futuristic post-apocalypse sort of Terminator feel is is the guys talking about like you know there's computer chips and everything from uh elevators to nuclear warheads and it's like yeah but this is about the elevator <laughs> you know, this is not yeah. about the end of the world but you kind of it insinuates kind of that like hey if the elevators become sentient like it can only get worse from there is it, it's a really weird like it really feels like i'd love to know the story behind how this movie got made because it's like such a funny it's a funny idea and a great tagline but then i wonder if like he got the funding and he's like oh no now I really need to do this? I need to make a whole movie about it. Okay, let's try to make it seem like the apocalypse. I don't know. Well, Keith, when I get to my uh, behind the scenes portion, I can actually answer some of those questions for you. Oh, excellent. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was actually some pretty good articles uh, reflecting on, on this. So yeah, I'll get into that in a bit. But yeah, so... Then they kind of have a falling out because <laughs> they have a disagreement about what's going on. And she leaves Felix. She goes and gets a cab. And um, then he goes back home and discovers that his wife has left him and has taken the kids. Like, And then she calls over there. Um, Mika does. And he's like, do you know what you've done? I've had enough of your games. She's like hangs up on her. It's, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's so not unnecessary. But uh, then Felix even even though he's uh, also gotten a tongue lashing from his boss about going behind their backs to go see their business partners over at Rising Sun, he gets put on like a three-day probation or something and he's like suspended. But that doesn't stop him from looking further into the lift. He's actually forbade to go back to the building with the lift in it, but he does, of course. Oh yeah, and let's, uh, we should mention too, I guess, because there actually aren't that many kills in this movie, but I guess the reason why he gets a uh, super double, like, gotta go figure out the origin of this uh, this elevator company and all this stuff is the, the cleaning man or security 
bodyguard, I guess it was, who gets killed in the lift where his head, this is like his head gets caught in the doors and then the elevator um, box comes down and decapitates him. Yeah. And uh, it's not the best looking fake head, but it's a still it's still a fun kill, though. Yeah, that does happen. There's there, his um, what's your, his, uh, I guess, underling or just colleague is like, hey, the elevator's moving by itself like that. Somebody must be here. Like, you know, like, hey, somebody must be in the building. So they go up the stairs to catch him. And uh, nope, it's just the elevator. Yeah, and I guess I wanted to bring that up because, you know, it's a relatively inventive way to kill someone with an elevator. It's like, all right, he got his head stuck and whatever. Because that was, I checked the time. I'm like, okay, that's 27 minutes in. They did this inventive way to decapitate a guy in the elevator doors. Like, what's next? And that's when the 1980s pacing hit. And that's where, yeah, he meets the reporter and they go to all this research and basically nothing else happens for like 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, brutal. And I, uh, we did skip another kill that's just like very in passing. Um, so this, I guess this building maybe has businesses and apartments in it. It's not really clear what kind of building it is, but there is a scene where this old man, who's pretty old himself, like, I guess oh, he's in his... blind man. Yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, I guess he's in his 70s because he tells the guy that he's buying this apartment for his 92 year old woman uh, mother <laughs> and then the of course the salesman's like well at that age we better not wait <laughs> there's no time to wait you gotta buy this apartment now and then you know they sign some stuff and then he goes to push the elevator button and the doors opened and because he's like a blind man he walks in and doesn't notice that the box isn't there and he falls to his death <laughs> It's probably not like a coincidence that there's so few kills in this movie, because like if they're at the whiteboard and they're like, all right, let's see if you got your head stuck in the door and the thing came down, you get decapitated. Cool. What else could you do? Um, Well, you could fall in, but you wouldn't because you can see. But if you were blind, you would. And then we're out of ideas. (laughs) Like really had to stretch. That's where I'm curious about this remake, because I'm sure the remake has probably got way more kills. But but how? How do you kill people in an elevator? It's not easy. Not easy. Um, They almost cooked the people at the beginning, but that didn't quite work. And then this janitor that you're talking about, at first, you don't actually find out how he dies until a little bit later, but he, you know, he gets, he's, okay, so the janitor's, like, tap dancing. <laughs> and then his, like, schlub, scummy boss comes around the corner, he's like, get back to work. And then he kind of sexually harasses some maids, and then comes back, and the janitor's gone. And he's like, oh, this bum turns off his uh, waxer, because he's been waxing the floor. And then somebody gets in the elevator, like, the next morning, and his body falls out of the top of the elevator. <laughs> which i guess yeah, at that point it's getting a little magic right because it's like how did what <laughs> like how did the elevator do that yeah how did he get up there which i guess we have to assume it was cords like one of their like it used one of its uh wires as like a tentacle and just sucked him in or something which is still cheesy and ridiculous but i think i think that's maybe how that happens that's one thing I like too. The uh, the reporter lady, I liked her because uh, you know it's that classic horror movie thing of nobody wants to uh, acknowledge what's going on. Like there's this detective that shows up and he makes a point of talking about how the vice squad made him numb and this isn't the first lift accident I've seen. It won't be the last. Where <laughs> this reporter is like, something's going on. No one gets beheaded on a lift. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Like, can we acknowledge this is very weird? People shouldn't just be dying in the elevator all the time. Yeah, that's not... 
that's not how that goes. There's also a saying that's absolutely ridiculous where they're talking to like people who know the statistics of the elevator, like <laughs> of elevator accidents. And they're like 250,000 people in this country alone get stuck in an <laughs> elevator in a year. And it's like, that's egregiously outside of the realm of possibility. <laughs> yeah, because I guess, I don't know, do they say, maybe they don't directly even say that it's Amsterdam, but it obviously is. There's signs and stuff around. And yeah, I, I, there's no way there's even that many elevators in that country. It's tiny. <laughs> you know? Right? It's abs- it's it's absurd. <laughs> That's an abs- just an absolutely abs- absurd statistic. And I, I looked up and there wasn't even a statistic that you could find on how many people get stuck in an elevator per year. You could find elevator-related injuries or deaths, but just getting stuck, I couldn't find any hard data on that. So it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I guess we can't prove that it's less, but <laughs> but it seems absolutely outrageous. Like, but just, just no way. <laughs> it's like maybe there was that elevator hysteria in the eighties, like how they were scared of every of like kids getting trapped in fridges and stuff. Like everyone's just afraid that they're gonna die in an elevator. <laughs> it's that elevator like... and satanic panic. That's the eighties. <laughs> yeah, that feels like it should be more of like a nineteen twenties thing. Like I don't trust these newfangled elevators. <laughs> That's true, right? I don't know. That's that's a weird concept in this film. I don't know. But yeah, so Felix goes back to the building and tries to solve the mystery of this elevator. And he discovers that the elevator has a sentient mind uh, that's like developed from its microprocessor. And he climbs into the shaft, you know, even though he knows he could die doing this. And he finds this pulsating box that has a sticky, like, gooey silicon chip that is apparently the elevator's heart. And he attacks it with a wrench. And then the elevator, like, loses its weight or something, or balance, and he falls. And he manages to hang onto the ledge and pull himself up. And then, just in the nick of time, Mika happens to be at this building. Mika happens to be at this building just in the nick of time and manages to pull him out. And she's like, I just can't leave you alone, can I? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, then one of Rising Sun's uh, execs, actually, like, the CEO arrives and... He's telling them that this is a failed experiment and that it's gone crazy. The elevator's gone crazy. <laughs> and he pulls out a pistol and he shoots it in the computer chip heart, which is so dumb. And then he's like, it's dead now. It's fine. But then, wait, there's more. One of the elevator cables whips out and hangs him <laughs> in the shaft. That's why I think that the janitor had to have died the same way. Um, yeah. And then the the whole end of the movie is just, like, Felix and Mika just, like, feebly walking down the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> like, out got, away from the elevator. It's really got that, that whiplash pacing of just, like, you know, stretch it out in the middle. Like, stretch it, stretch it, stretch it. We got to make this feature length. And then at the end, just every character just happens to be there all of a sudden, <laughs> just so we can wrap this up. Like, yep, let's wrap this up, people. <laughs> <laughs> like again yeah with this remake thing it's like yeah no no doubt he's a better director you know 20 years down the road or whatever but i just wonder with this source material <laughs> 
there's like a lot of times I'll watch a movie and just be like either like wow amazing I could never pull that off or here's all the ways I would have fixed that I, I got nothing with this one how do you unless you just really make it like really silly I, I don't know how you do anything with this concept <laughs> it's just <laughs> I don't either like it, it feels like it should be like uh like an SNL sketch like an Andy Samberg <laughs> digital short or something him versus the elevator it could be four and a half minutes long it'd be great <laughs> you know? yeah or you know how also an SNL thing you know how in the 70s there was a skit where the doorbells rang and you open it and it's just a shark <laughs> at the door <laughs> like just the absurdity of it it's great that would be great I don't know what they were thinking here well I mean I do actually I have some insight um, so let me pull up my behind the scenes notes just a moment yeah the, the only thing I know in general about I guess from like you know the evil dead or whatever and making a bunch of money uh for, you know, the, the dawn of VHS and stuff, like there was just uh, no, there was no money in making anything shorter than a feature, you know, short films and stuff were worthless. But if you could at least hit that 90 minute mark and put something on a tape and get it into the horror section of, uh, of a store, you're good in the 80s or in the early 80s. Yeah. So that's, that's my guess is just like, let's just, let's just get to 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the director, who also wrote the film, he was actually fired in the middle of this. Like, they're in the middle of filming, and suddenly the uh, producer is just, like, butting heads with him way too much and doesn't want to work with him, so just absolutely fires him. And then, like, three days go by, and then he's like, okay, okay, actually, I cannot do this movie without you, so you're gonna have to come back. I mean, it, it has a unique vision, you know, there's no question. Like, that'd be one of those uh, box quotes that doesn't really mean anything. But I would say that about this film. A unique vision. Vision. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, okay, so another interesting thing. Moss himself didn't have, I guess he didn't really have a piece of this film. Like, he's the director, but as far as, like, producing credits or anything, he doesn't really own any of this movie. But he did do the soundtrack that... He literally rented a couple of synthesizers, uh, specifically a Jupiter 8 and a Juno 60, and just recorded the synthesizer soundtrack for this film in like a couple of days. And yes. he he's made more money from the soundtrack than he ever did this movie. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of sad, actually, like intellectual property. But oh, well, that's what happened. OK, so I'm always, in, I'm always interested, too, in just movies from uh, I think of them as like the little the little sibling countries, because uh, Canada and America, obviously, it's like, you know, uh, Canada is like, oh, we're different, but we're not different. We're exactly the same. And I've kind of. <laughs> realize there's other countries that are like that like new zealand to australia you know they desperately want to be different but they're not and amsterdam or uh the netherlands is like that to germany like when i visited yeah. there they were like ah, oh, we're not like germans but they have the same weird dour attitudes and the same weird toilets and i was like ah i'm canadian like i know what's going on here you're the little brother i understand this but being the little brother country <laughs> is like it's amazing when art from the little brother country ever makes it anywhere you know because it's just like so much smaller like it's so rare to hear about a new zealand movie or a canadian movie and i think this is obvious this is i think the first dutch movie i've ever seen in my life <laughs> so oh wow uh, so i'm not I surprised have... that it's like a bit that it was like uh not a huge success or whatever 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Amsterdam was a bigger success, and I actually saw that before I saw this. So when I was doing the research for this film, like after I watched it, and I saw that it was the same director, and I also when I first started watching, I immediately recognized the lead role. Because the guy who's in Amsterdam is the lead role in both this movie and Amsterdam. He's yeah, like I've actually t- never seen that, but that's a great title. <laughs> so, right? So Amsterdam is his other film that I was told you I was going to tell you about. And it's on Shudder streaming. I think it's still there. It's it's probably on Tubi as well. And probably on Soulseek. <laughs> probably also on Soulseek. But, like, it's not that hard to find um, is what I'm saying. Uh, but it's actually, it's kind of interesting. It, it, it heavily deals with the canals of Amsterdam. And uh, it's a it's an interesting little whodunit, and it's got a really cheesy uh, theme song that's like Amsterdam, Amsterdam, this is Amsterdam. <laughs> it's it's a good time. I I recommend it. <laughs> okay, so every actor in this film did their own stunts. They could not afford stuntmen. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that scene where the guy gets his head stuck in the elevator was filmed backwards. They actually all so all they had that was keeping his head from actually being smushed was like a steel bar. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. That's so creepy. Yeah, so they were uh they were genuinely worried when they were filming that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the whole thing's filmed backwards, and that that fa- they had to do the take like several times, and that's why the fake head looks so bad because it fell three or four different times throughout takes. This was like one of the final takes that actually is what is in the film. So yeah, that's a fun little tidbit. Um, yeah, I guess so- that's one thing too that impresses me of just movies from this era is is like on this shoestring budget just to actually bring it in for a landing, like to actually complete a film. It seemed so hard to do back then. Yeah. Where nowadays it is like, there's literally a new movie on Shutter every every day now or Amazon or whatever. (laughs) Like it's just, it seems so easy now. Yeah, absolutely. They're just cranking them out. Um, This movie took 30 days to shoot. It had an incredibly small budget, like negligibly small. Um, So originally they sent a subtitled, like a really badly done subtitled version of this to the Cannes Film Festival, thinking that it would be canned and like never would ever see it again. (laughs) And it turned out to be a huge success and Warner Brothers bought the distribution rights for it to America. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, so like, honestly, nobody at the studio had any faith in this film and it outperformed how they thought it would go completely in every way that is one of the best things about horror right like if i ever could make a movie it would be horror for sure because it's the only genre where people will really they'll kind of give you a lot of leeway of like as long as you do something unique and something interesting in some way horror fans are going to be like all right with it which is it's so nice in a way yeah totally um so are you aware of the dutch rock band golden earring I know Radar Love. (laughs) Exactly. Everyone knows Radar Love. Um, So Dick Moss actually directed one of their music videos uh, for a song called When the Lady Smiles. And there's a scene within the music video where a lady enters an elevator and the adjacent elevator at the same time, Felix from this movie walks out of that elevator. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Little, little Easter egg there. The lift, uh, the lift uh, cinematic universe. That's a weird thing too, yeah. I guess, right? 
is that even though it's overdubbed and stuff, like the movie's called The Lift. No one no one says that here, <laughs> but I guess you can't, I don't know. I guess The Lift sounds better than The Elevator. That's true. I mean, I guess they, they dubbed it with more of a British audience in mind because people say The Lift at, in the UK, right? Oh yeah, that's true. They love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's an elevator over here, but... <laughs> It's whatever. Man, I got to look up now. I'm just going to really quickly check what, because uh, uh, with the, the remake called Down, I know they changed the title to something, and I can't remember what, but now I'm going to look it up because it's like, yeah, what, what else can you call a movie about an elevator? True. The, the dumb waiter? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, let's see. Oh, the, 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 the other title is The Shaft. The sh- oh, okay. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Because the elevator shaft. All right. So. Uh, The producer on this film wanted to have some of the actors from the 1980 Paul Verhoeven movie, Spetters, from 1980. Paul Verhoeven, by the way, if you're not aware, audience, uh, he goes on to direct RoboCop. So he had some pretty successful things. So he was a successful Dutch director at the time. I I never uh, thought about that. I mean, because I've seen tons of his movies, but I never, I should have known from the last name. It didn't occur to me (laughs) that he's Dutch. Yeah, he's Dutch. (laughs) <laughs> so they really wanted some of those like recognizable faces from one of his films in this film. But Dick Moss was like, nah, my boy Hoop, you got to have my boy Hoop in this movie. <laughs> like he was a really unknown actor. And from the success of this, he went on to be in a string of other movies with Moss, notably Amsterdam. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's pretty decent, you know, he wasn't bad. Yeah, I think he's charismatic in his own way. And that's one of those things I do like, too, about, like I was saying, watching uh, non-North American stuff is, uh, like, definitely the, the feeling I got when I visited Amsterdam is... Is like Dutch culture does seem a little a little closed off. People felt a little cold <laughs> compared to Canada, and that is sort of how this movie feels. That's kind of how the actors act, but it's mm-hmm. cool. Like it gives it a nice vibe, even if they're not doing it on purpose. Yeah, totally. I agree. So this movie was shot in parallel with another film for that studio uh, because they just wanted to save money on the crew and equipment. So they like shot two films in tandem, basically. Um, So that movie was called Silent Fear. And honestly, the producer of both films, he was sure that Silent Fear was going to be this huge box office success and that the lift was going to be a huge failure and it was the completely opposite way around because nobody knows about silent fear but people know about the killer elevator movie (laughs) (laughs) Mm, yeah yeah so that's fun um i think i think we're gonna move into uh our best best and worst kills now so keith i guess the only other random little note that i just saw i had written down is uh that is another thing with the cool stylized look of this is uh there's a scene this is such a small thing but there, where they, there's like a, a storm happening outside of the building to, I don't know, denote evil about to take place. And yeah. when lightning strikes behind the building, like I don't know anything about how they did special effects back then, but it looks exactly like that TV show, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Oh, like yeah. it just looks like a weird, corny, bad 80s special effect like they were making fun of on Dark Place. But I'm like, oh, but that's that's it, the real thing. <laughs> that's yeah. actually how they, they did these shots in the 80s. And there's just something about them that it looks fake, but it looks awesome. It just looks so cool. It also made me think of that scene where you see the outside of the apartment complex in Child's Play. And it's, right. there's like a storm to also, I guess, signify evil. And it's like the scene where, uh, 
you know, spoiler alert, uh, somebody falls out of the window, um, a character that's semi-important. But yeah, it reminded me of that. Yeah, it's like that pre-before CG and before blue screen, green screen, green screen, whatever, that matte tech, whatever it was. But yeah, that way that they fake weather events is so cool. It looks awesome. It does. It's like cheesy, but it still looks awesome. Yeah. All right. right. What do you have for best kill? So uh, I guess I got to go with the security guard who gets his head stuck in the door because uh, now I I respect it even more now that I know that guy actually put his his real life head (laughs) in Mm -hmm. potential danger. But yeah, it's just just so ludicrous to just like, because I guess I'm trying to remember how it went now. It's like he stuck his head in to check something out or whatever, and the door closed on him, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't enough to kill him there. It could just pincer him in the door. Yeah, like Vice gripped his head, and then he sees that the box is coming down, and he has nothing to do but just, like, moan terribly in fear (laughs) (laughs) before it knocks his block off. Yeah, like, I do feel like that's one of those, like, just that alone, really, it makes the movie worth it, because it's just like, well, I've never seen that before. (laughs) Right? It was worth it. Yeah, I'll never see anything like that again unless made exactly the same way and down. Could be, I don't know. Um, So what do you have for... I actually had that as my best kill as well. So what do you have for worst kill? So my worst, I was going to say just the the cleaning man dropped through the ceiling through magical means because I just didn't understand it. But I guess you were saying like, you know, at the end, obviously we see that the elevator can flail around its cables and stuff. So I guess it just did that. So it would either be that or maybe maybe just the blind guy walking into the shack. It's just like at that point, there's it's not even an evil elevator anymore. It's really just whoops, there's a blind guy. (laughs) Whoops. Uh, I said the janitor, because, um, I mean, I guess that whole scene, it's like, you know, he's just this guy who's probably a dreamer. He's tap dancing and, you know, just kind of goofing off on the job, and then his scummy boss chews him out, and then you see the boss, who's definitely a scumbag, go around the corner and, and you know, like, grab the ass of one of his maids and, like, flirt with her, and it's gross. And then, you know, he also, like, behind the... <laughs> Behind his boss's back makes the, like, blowjob motion, like, sticks his tongue in his mouth and makes the blowjob motion, like, calling him a jack-off or something, I guess. And then, I just know, I don't know, I feel like they did that that poor guy dirty, like, he just wanted to, you know, dance around and buff the floor, (laughs) and then you find out he was brutally murdered. (laughs) It's one of these things, too, where there's, like, very few kills to really choose from, ultimately, and I was True. thinking, like, maybe people would find this uh, offensive or whatever to the original work. But, man, what I would love to do if I just had lottery winnings or something is I'd love to buy the rights to movies that don't have enough kills in them and then try to recreate the style and just film, like, 10 more kills and edit them into the movie <laughs> so you get the super kill version. I would love that. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, Dick Moss would be like, that's not my vision. But I'd be like, well, too bad, because I'm the guy who bought your vision. <laughs> I'm going to enhance it. Uh, I would love to see that one day, Keith. <laughs> yeah, maybe someday if I ever come into a lot of money, like I'll just, I won't, maybe, you know, I'll throw some at some charities and stuff just to try to, you know, put a social barrier around myself so I seem less irresponsible <laughs> with the money. But then I'll just do shit like this. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what everybody would do. You, they do a little bit of charity and then outlandish things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, best character. So, I definitely go with Felix, the uh, lift repairman, our yes. our uh, our hero. Because, uh, you know, he had a few little moments that were kind of lame. Like, his uh, 
I guess it's just that, again, that generalized, uh, it's not that there's like a misogynist vibe. It's just that they didn't think about it back then. Like the only time I didn't like him was there was a part where he's in, uh, he's just having lunch with one of his coworkers and all of his little jokes and stuff are, they're all weird things about like, oh, why don't you, I don't know, just, we, I can't remember what he said now, but it's like, oh, I got a date with so-and-so and he's, yeah, who doesn't have a date with so-and-so or whatever. Yeah. But besides those little moments, he was generally pretty cool. I liked him overall. Yeah, he's a pretty likable character, and and that's just a testament to the actor being likable. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, like I said, he's in Amsterdam, and I loved him in that, so I was already warm to the actor, so it all kind of worked out. I agree. So uh, who do you have for worst character? So right away, this detective guy who showed up, he rubbed me the wrong way just because he was so absolutely uh, dismissive of these elevator deaths, you know, like going so far as to say, like, I've seen so many elevator accidents and just, who cares? So right away I wrote him down as worst character. But then that's another weird thing about the pacing of this movie is if he ever showed up again, it was very briefly. I feel like he just disappeared from the movie. So I'm like, I guess he's the guy I liked the least, but he, I don't even know why he was there in the first place. He didn't do anything. True, he's barely in there. Um, If I hadn't made it, blatantly clear i really don't like the janitor's boss <laughs> <laughs> yeah that guy that's, sucks <laughs> yeah that's who i went with um all right what uh what made you laugh the most in this movie so again uh, also with the best kill definitely just the the whole the everything in this movie that the just centralizes on that poor security guard getting his head stuck at the elevator because <laughs> it was one of those like like i'm definitely laughing at his death but but like, because I'm like amazed at the ingenuity of it and just how gross it was, because it wasn't really a very violent movie. And then you get this guy just, there's his head, boom, gone. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I definitely laughed at that for sure. That's fair. So I said the whole opening scene with the chicken farmers being drunk and obnoxious <laughs> and then stumbling right. in and half making out and then getting almost cooked to death in the elevator. <laughs> that was funny to me. Yeah, and also, well, that's another thing that this movie really, uh, it's so aimless in a weird way because it, uh, like, that opening scene is like, all right, here's, uh," I mean, just that it has nudity. So it's like, all right, that's what we're doing. But then then we're not. Then it moves on. And then there's weird violence. And then then we're not doing that anymore. And it's like, what the hell are we doing? What is this movie? We get one beheading and one pair of tits, and that's all you need, guys. We've we've (laughs) met the slasher genre now. Maybe it's like, you know, uh, like Dutch obscenity laws of the time or something. Or like, hey, let's not overdo it, you know? Like, this is enough. Let's not get Maybe. too excited. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, it's a, it's some interesting choices there. Okay, so what you go with for most what-the-fuck moment? Uh, oh, yeah, well, actually, I guess I think I got my things backwards. I, I'm going to say the most what-the-fuck moment, I guess, was the security guard. Because actually, now that what I've got for the funniest moment is uh, right at the end. So the, you know, uh, the dude, the, the repairman is fighting the elevator. The reporter comes in and saves him. Then the scientist comes in out of nowhere and, you know, it's like, oh, no, what have I done? And then he gets killed by the elevator. And I love how they just he gets hung by the elevator and he's hanging inside by the cord. They don't even try to get his corpse out of there. They just leave him hanging in the elevator and they're like, we're out. (laughs) See you later, asshole. Yeah, they look at him like you created this monster beast. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I guess funniest and what the fuck moment are interchangeable. But yeah, just that they just they just that was the the kind of final scene of the movie as they leave and go down the stairs and credits roll is just just that guy's corpse. Like, well, fuck that guy. <laughs> uh what I said was the most what the fuck moment is that we had this whole movie like over the course of like two or three days, but it takes uh, it takes our main man Felix mm, maybe all of an hour to figure out that the elevator's alive and has like a weird biochip heart thing. <laughs> like the fact that it's not haunted or anything and that it is bioengineered and made with partially organic parts. Is the, is the weirdest fucking thing. <laughs> Which I guess, I mean, I mean, you've uh, done a lot more killer object movies. Uh, you've seen a lot more in your time than I have. I mean, what is the, how many, how many ways are there to animate something? Like besides magic and voodoo, does this happen other places? I mean, I guess you got to have some explanation, right? True. I would say by, by and large, it's either being a curse or a haunting is what brings uh, something to life in these films. Sometimes you find out that the person that is with the object is just nuts and the object isn't actually killer at all. Right. Um, sometimes uh, the object is alien. Oh, right. Yeah. But so far, that's kind of... I haven't experienced anything beyond those yet. This was the first one that was like brought to life by scientists with organic tissue, so... <laughs> that's new <laughs> and i guess it is because it is kind of a pet peeve of mine that in horror movies no one ever believes you know what's happening it's always you know if someone would just believe for a second things would be okay but i guess i kind of understand in this situation because it really is such a ludicrous scenario that like it's not like oh no the yogurt's eating people or the killer clowns from outer space it really is just that the fucking elevator's alive like I yeah. guess I got to give everybody a pass on not believing that that's happening. <laughs> yeah, I would never believe that the elevator is. I would probably believe the elevator was haunted before I'd believe that it was sentiently alive. <laughs> yeah, totally. Especially with the 2,200,000 2, accidents a year. I mean, there's probably so many ghosts in every elevator. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if what they state in the film is to be believed, absolutely. <laughs> well, this was fun. Um, I think we're done, guys. I think we've kind of covered the lift. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but would you be good to come back for my second one this month? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm going to now I'm going to double down. I'm really going to keep my eye peeled for down slash the shaft because like, man, now I got to see it. Yeah, I've got to see that one, too. But okay, so what would you want to do? We have like a bunch of um, ones that are kind of like down the pipeline. So what would what other killer object movie would you be kind of interested in doing? Uh, so I noticed uh, with the stuff you sent me before of stuff you were considering, there seems to be more than one movie about a killer bed. Am I right about that or did I get confused? I only know about Deathbed, the bed that eats. <laughs> and is that the one like where it was like a, a forgotten movie or something that... Yeah, I want to say it was like a TV movie from the 70s or something. Because I could have swore I saw that, but then as I was poking around, I think I saw another 
killer bed movie. So maybe I'll do a little killer bed research and try to figure out what's going on there. And <laughs> we'll pick one <laughs> of the killer bed movies because I think there might be two, which is like ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Okay, so we were not going to tell you which killer bed movie we're doing. We'll figure it out behind the scenes and you, you'll turn in next. You'll tune in next time. <laughs> yeah, there's only so many. So, hey, feel free to watch them both unless I'm like crazy. But I, I feel like I found one from like the 2000s or something. And I'm like, how many times? <laughs> so, so that was interesting to me alone. Just like that. I mean, I guess now I'm going to say I was going to say something about like, oh, I guess maybe people have a natural fear of beds. But no, no, I don't see it. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. Huh. This one's called The Dwelling, a.k.a. Bed of the Dead. <laughs> see, it's like... <laughs> So yeah, we'll zero in on one of these deathbed movies. Yeah, we'll uh, yeah, we'll figure that out. Which which one we want to do? I'm curious now because you're right. There's one from 2016 that seems to have a haunted bed or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stay tuned, guys. Uh, we'll see you then. Cool. Bye bye. Yeah. All right. Let me stop recording and we'll pop this one in the can. Uh, cancel. 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 Damn it, stop recording. Wow, we've been talking for like an hour. That went by quick.